I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio, and here's the thing. We need your help to sell 50 more Adventure Rider Radio t-shirts. Five zero, that's it. It's 25 people, buy two each. You know, you can see the numbers are very small. Just 50 to make our order, so do me a favor. If you like what we're doing and you want a cool shirt, drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and grab yourself a t-shirt or two, maybe even a sticker, and help support Adventure Rider Radio. Help us get that five zero, that 50 more shirts sold for our order. And when I bump into you on the street or maybe at an event or maybe when you're riding your bike and you're wearing that Adventure Rider Radio t-shirt, I'm going to know right off the bat that you support Adventure Rider Radio. And you can bet that I'm going to stop to say hello. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. This is Nick Sanders. I'm Terry Borden. I'm Sandy Borden. I'm Jack Borden. I'm Graham Field. My name is Austin Vince. I'm Jason Spafford. And I'm Lisa Morris. Hi, I'm David Peterson. I'm Rachel. This is Ed March. This is Glenn Hickstead. This is Dr. Gregory W. Fraser. This is Dave Barr. This is Alan Carl. This is Tiffany Coates. Hello, here's Herbert Schwartz. I'm Brett Tax. This is Zoe Cano. Nathan Millward. My name is Graham Hoskins. This is Joe Russ. Hi, this is Jeremy Craker. I'm Simon Thomas. And I'm Lisa Thomas. It's Simon Pavey here. Hi, this is Grant John. This is Robert Wicks. This is Elisa Workman. This is Ted Simon. You're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter too at maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system, and it can inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and get this, it has a lifetime warranty, which is brand new. Best Rest also makes tire changing and tire repair kits that are small enough to fit in your saddlebag, and the crew at Best Rest are adventure riders themselves. They know what you need when you're out exploring the world. Visit them at cyclepump.com. That's cyclepump.com. Well, coming up on today's episode, you're going to hear about a nine-minute film festival, which may be your answer to a use, at least, for that boring helmet cam footage that you've been shooting for years. You can actually edit it down into a nine-minute piece and force some people to sit through it. So it could be really neat, and there could be some good information here for you. Stick around for that. But first, I'm going to talk with Max Stratton. Now, I want to introduce you to Max for one reason in particular, and that's a word that I love, passion. I love that word and what it stands for because it doesn't matter what you're passionate about. And I tell my kids this all the time. It's just important to be passionate about something. Take something, anything you have in life that you're really into and get really passionate about it because that's when you really feel that juice of life and it it really makes you feel energized. It gives you a purpose for being. And I think that's something that everybody needs. So you got to get passionate about something. And when I come across these people, especially when it comes to motorcycling, I get very excited about it. And they're people I want to hang out with. They're people I want to be friends with. Max is one of those people. And when you hear him talk, you're going to find out that he's much more than just the owner of the dealerships and and one of our advertisers, Max BMW. He is somebody who is absolutely passionate about motorcycles. And you can hear that by how much he gives back to the motorcycle community. And in his words, it's really just so that he can get out there and do more with motorcycles. Here I'm speaking with Max Stratton from Max BMW. (music) 
I'm Max Stratton. I'm the owner of Max BMW Motorcycles, and uh, I'm sort of from New England uh, since I, I uh, kind of travel around between all the uh, locations. So uh, originally from Western Massachusetts, uh, lived in New Hampshire, and, and also live in Connecticut. Wow. How do you live in two different places? Well, I, I travel a lot between all the stores. Uh, I crash at my mom and dad's house a lot and uh, kind of have a, a, a setup near each place. So, um, But uh, right now, heavy in Connecticut with, uh, with everything that's going on with the stores. It's funny because that's one of the things that popped through my head uh, when we were talking a little bit earlier. I was thinking, I wonder how you figure out where you're going to go to work in the morning. <laughs> yeah, um, that is true. Every day is, is pretty different and... Uh, the staff usually, you know, lets me know where needed and, and uh, what needs to be done, and then I, I sort of make my rounds. There's four locations: one in New Hampshire, one in upstate New York, uh, one in Hartford, and uh, the other is in the Danbury area of Connecticut. So, a lot of miles going between the stores. Unfortunately, it's never on a bike because I'm always carrying people's motorcycles, so it's it's usually in a, in a van. That was going to be my next question. Okay, you, you, you covered that one. Well, I knew it was coming because so, everyone says you must get the ride all the time. I'm like, well, no, but I, I do on Sundays, and when I do, I uh, we ride as much as we can pretty hard. So, Well, that is the interesting thing about doing something that you love for a living, and everybody says this. You know, it's a, It does take some of the time that you would have otherwise, I think, away from whatever it is you love. But the good side is, is that you're working every day in a field that you absolutely love. Yep. Yeah, no, I, t- I tell people it's, um, there's a real business behind it with you know, real problems and real solutions and all kinds of you know, crazy hours and stuff like that. But um, every time I look up, there's a motorcycle next to me and uh, usually a customer uh, telling me a, a great story about you know what they just got back from doing or where they just went or what they just built in their garage or, or, or what they're buying next. So throughout the day, it's, 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 it's fun, so I don't miss the riding. I mean, I always do miss riding, but I don't miss it that much because of the, the involvement with everyone all day uh, keeps it pretty fun. How do you end up with four dealerships? Did you start out as a mechanic, or, or where did that come from? Uh, it's a really strange path. I actually uh, started out as a, a car mechanic. Uh, I always wanted a motorcycle, but I was never allowed to have one. And uh, when I was in college, I uh, worked at various uh, independent car repair shops. Uh, one was a junkyard, a Saab Volvo uh, wrecking yard, and then I mostly worked at Saab Volvo BMW Porsche type um, repair facilities in Upon graduation of college, I went to the American Motorcycle Institute, which is now the, I think it's called WyoTech now, but they had a BMW technical training program for motorcycles, and I had a BMW motorcycle and uh, was interested in in moving from cars back to bikes because I was sort of out of the house then. And uh, upon graduation from there, I ended up working as a car mechanic after that and then uh, opened up uh, my BMW dealership uh, up in New Hampshire was the first store. Uh, that was in uh, 2002. In a lot of ways, you do things in sort of a non-traditional business approach. Um, you, you do a lot of uh, events and things that are um, uh, organized around getting your customers out riding their motorcycles. Yep. Yeah, we do. And, and the whole idea is, is uh, you know, to keep people involved and, and have fun. And uh, I, I work all the time. So if I can make an event, which is 
happen, which is work, then that kind of gets me out to be able to ride. <laughs> so, um, in some ways, it's it's a little selfish because I want to I want to go do it too. And and, uh, and sometimes there's events that just aren't available. Um, people aren't doing them, such as you know some of the ice racing and snow riding we do with the bikes, and then the dual sport schools, and then our our hill climbs that we do. Um, some of those events um, no one else is putting on, so I always try to look for something that's not available um, and give our customers something different to do. And it and it helps the business because it, it, it just keeps everyone active and, and uh, uh, allows me to hang out and ride and participate you know, with our customers. You do a lot of custom projects at your dealerships, and some of them you've, you've documented on the Internet, and some of them you've actually streamed online while you've been doing it. Yep. Oh, yeah. No. I love uh, building anything with a machine from cars to motorcycles and, and all that. And it's always been, um, I've, I've always been a mechanic as a hobby from, from, a, from a child, always working on you know, cars and, and, and things like that. And, uh, and then once I uh, was able to get into motorcycles, you know, uh, always interested in building stuff. So uh, the projects that we do is... Uh, I love preserving um, vintage BMWs. It's uh, it's fun to take something that's you know out of someone's basement or, or barn or, or field and uh, make it beautiful again and, and usable. So um, it's uh, interesting to us and to the customers, and, and uh, also it's really good training for our technicians in the, in the shop to be able to uh, do things that may be more extreme than the regular work that comes in the door every day. Yeah, and I like the fact that you're sort of known for your year-round riding, uh, and you just mentioned prepping bikes for for ice riding, etc. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Unfortunately, where we are, um, the weather conditions don't always uh, favor motorcycling. So, um, luckily, they uh, you know there's tires available and and, and uh, lots of snowmobile trails where we are. Uh, so we usually get out uh, on those and, and run all winter, and then we also. Um, because of uh, some of my past with automotive, uh, I used to ice race cars, and uh, I team up with the uh, automobile ice racing club on Mondays or late on Sunday afternoons. We're able to use their their uh, road racing courses on the lake, and uh, we get out on. We use S1000RRs, we use HP2s, we uh, whatever we can put screws and tires. We uh, go out and run them uh, just for fun. And you've also had your share of people who come to Max BMW to get their bikes prepped for their round-the-world trip or, or other long-distance trips that they're doing. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we do get uh, people that participate in Iron Butt. We get people that uh, are, are world travelers. Uh, they they come in, they give us the specs, we, we find the bikes, we build them. A lot of times they get involved and come and work with us. Well, let's talk about the off-road training. I know that you're a certified master technician through BMW. I also know that you're uh, a certified off-road instructor. Both you and your brother are certified off-road instructors, and you run these two-day off-road training camps. Um, tell us about that. Yes, we uh, we run a, over at a, there's a ski mountain close by that we partnered with in the Catskills called Hunter Mountain, and uh, they were kind enough to let us use their, their facility and uh, they have a lot of terrain and, and well, obviously the ski slopes, um, but a lot of mountain roads around the hill and at the base of the mountain. So it works to be a, a great place to host a school. And it's, it's nice, uh, you know, because there's facilities there and a nice hotel and, and places to eat and things like that. So, uh, uh, you know, some of our customers that come to dual support schools, uh, you know, uh, bring other people that hang out and, and vacation in the pool while we're out in the woods. 
and uh, and it's also nice to have you know if it's raining and go in for lunch and things like that. But uh, the the school's a lot of fun and uh, attracts quite a lot of attention. When somebody comes to school, what are they coming for? Are they coming to learn the, to ride you know big bikes off road, or is it just any bikes? Um, well, we, the focus is big bikes off road, and I get I get everyone from people that. With, with little to no skill to, you know, highly skilled riders that, you know, grew up on, you know, Enduro-type motorcycles and, and now have uh, uh, purchased a GS, you know, 1200, and then they want the, the skills to learn how to take a, you know, a bike, you know, three times the size of what they're used to riding uh, deep in the woods and, and control it. So um, it, it, the, the school works for everyone because, we're you know, we're teaching those uh, low-speed balance skills and, and, and throttle you know, control skills uh, to, to move a bike like that in, uh, in tough conditions. Well, of course, I, I can't help but asking because you mentioned the R1200GS, and you've also mentioned the HP2, which you can't seem to get anymore. Is the R1200GS your off-road choice? Um, it is, yeah. I, I still always love being on an adventure um, deep in the woods. You know, mainly I think, um, in, in, I think most of my customers will agree when they're out on theirs. Um, the shock value is always fun when you uh, uh, meet other people on, on quads or, or, or even Jeeps or pickup trucks that are up in the woods and stuff like that. Uh, when you come trudging through on a, on a, a full-size adventure, um, it's, just, it's just fun. And, and, and also a lot of times when we're out riding for fun, there's a lot of road miles in between some of the um, uh, wood sections. So, uh, you know, you can't beat the comfort. <laughs> So for, for the people that are coming out in your course, you know, let's just say people with very little off-road experience, what are some of the basics that you're teaching right off the bat? Uh, basics that are being taught off the bat would be uh, a, a body position on the motorcycle, uh, balancing the motorcycle you know, with you and without you on it, getting on and off the motorcycle. Uh, sounds uh, a little crazy, but it's, it, it's an important thing when you're you know, on the side of a hill and uh, there's nothing but roots and rocks around you, and you've got to get back on that 1200 adventure or, or F800 and uh, dig it out of there. Um, but uh, a lot of stuff that you would see in some slow speed riding drills, uh, you know, riding on one foot peg with your body completely off to the wrong side and, and, and things like that, and that just gets someone comfortable. And the whole idea, I think, you know, really on like day one of the training is to make that big bike feels small, and uh, and you can make a, a bike like that size feel small if you can uh, really focus and, and, and master the balance of it, and that's really what we're teaching. And then and then people feel comfortable, and it's not uh, they're not muscling and forcing the bike because uh, uh, no matter how much you work out, you'll never win against a twelve hundred. <laughs> So with the, the couple-of-day course, you can manage to take somebody with little or no experience riding off-road, or even experience, like you said, and teach them how to ride their big adventure bike off-road. Yep. Well, the, the goal is success, um, So, uh, and the classes are small, and we uh, work on very, very easy terrain um, for the beginning beginner school. Uh, so uh, it's... We try to, it really just comes down to the balance and again, and also, which I haven't mentioned, is the clutch and throttle control. And, um, you know, through the techniques that, you know, BMW has sort of beaten to our head as instructors, and uh, then we put that out to the, um, uh, to the folks, they, they 
they catch on and, and, and they do it. And, uh, um, you know, and there is a lot of individual help and, and, and things like that. But, you know, we, we start from very, very basic and bring everyone up. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, outside of the dual sports school, we, we do, as a dealership, have a lot of Sunday rides where we ride off-road with our customers uh, in large groups and even some smaller groups. I have actually this Sunday, I have a, a training uh, for the Sandblast Rally uh, that's coming up in March. So we're taking uh, a bunch of people out for a training ride, you know, which will be a little bit more of an advanced ride where we ride together. But um, because we have all these other rides, um, you do the school and then you kind of like hang out with us on the weekend. Uh, you get to practice all your skills on a regular basis and, and this way you're with a group so you're able to get more tips and tricks as out there and if you ever run into trouble or get stuck um, you know we're all together so we can help each other um, and, uh, and and you know usually after several rides in the school people are, are, are next minute you know they're signing up for one of the rally moto events or, or coming to one of our hill climbs or, or track days because uh, they get more and more comfortable with their bike how do they sign up for the, the Sunday rides? Um, we, we put them out on our email uh, lists, and, and uh, our, our big Sunday rides are just, you know, show up and, 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 and come out with us. And that can be anywhere from 50 to 70 riders come on those. And then usually our race training rides will be, you know, six to eight people, and that's just an email inquiry list, you know, with me. And they just basically say, hey, I want to come, and we give them a time and place, and we meet. And uh, we'll go out for four or five hours and, and uh, get ourselves in shape. Now, now, is that a paid thing, or are they just showing up and you just taking them out? No, let's just show up and, and go out. It's all free. The, the school you pay for, but the, uh, uh, the Sunday rides are all for fun. I guess the only time you pay is if, we're, uh, if we have to rent a, a facility. Uh, you know, our, our hill climbs, which are on pavement, and our track days, which are on pavement, um, those have track fees involved, but um, otherwise there's no charge. So if somebody is planning to you know, come and take the off-road course, or even if they're not, are there some basic skills that you could, you know, maybe two or three things that you could give us right now that they could go out and practice and improve on? Oh, boy. Uh, basic skills of practice and improve on would, would probably, um, probably the number one thing is to get comfortable riding on your motorcycle standing up. Uh, that's important. The uh, people um, that have never done that before definitely uh, lunchtime by day one they're pretty sore. Um, you know something that you know a lot of adventure riders take for granted by standing up on the pegs. Someone that's never done it before it's it's a uh, it's a uh, a little scary to to uh, leave that seat <laughs> and and be that far above the motorcycle. Um, that's always an important one to get comfortable doing that. You know where it's safe for you to do so. And then um, uh, probably the other thing is, uh, you know, uh, mounting and dismounting the, the motorcycle. Because uh, unfortunately in off-road riding you do come off the bike from time to time, uh, whether you want to or not. And uh, um, being comfortable getting on and off in different situations, uh, being able to get on and off from either side, something we take for granted. Most of us always get on from the same side and never think of trying it from the other way. And sometimes there's no ground on the other side of the bike, so you're forced to, uh, into you know, different positions. Um, and then, of course, motorcycle prep is always an important piece is, uh, you know, lightening up that bike and stripping away some of those things that you drag around all the time for comfort. Uh, 
you know, a, a lighter bike uh, without all your gadgets on it, sometimes it's easier to take through the woods. I didn't expect to hear motorcycle prep um, as number three. <laughs> that, uh, that, surpri- oh. that surprises me. <laughs> well, I, I, that's it. My, I wanted to add that in because that, that is part of the thing we do to get ready. Um, the first thing in the day is we, we will prep all the motorcycles and, and get those handlebars turned up and, and uh, clutch and brake levers positioned properly and things like that. I got to ask about standing up though, because this is one of the things that, like you say, it's it's that basic skill you need. And when you do it, it's you've opened up a whole new world. But there's a lot of people who don't stand up. Talk about standing up and what effect it has on the bike. Well, um, the standing up is uh, a lot of it's comfort for you, um, rather than you taking all the shock um, uh, uh, in your seat um, into your body. Uh, uh, that kind of wears you out and tires you out sometimes. And then also uh, to help the bike uh, control itself better in the suspension, uh, moving your weight and balancing your weight on the bike allows the suspension to work a lot better. And uh, um, that's probably the biggest thing, uh, allowing the bike to kind of move under you. Because when you're sitting on the motorcycle, you kind of become part of the weight of the motorcycle. And and some of your body movement, if you move the wrong way or do something, um, that could steer the bike and you know when there's uh, a big lack of traction it could begin to uh, push the bike into the wrong direction um i I always think of it as as something to do with inertia too because the weight of you sitting on the bike stops the bike's ability to maneuver quickly really that's what you're saying isn't it it's it's that um you've added that weight up there and now you've got this big slug of a thing that has to move back and forth Yep, yep. Um, are you referring to you or the bike as the slug? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking the combination becomes a slug. <laughs> and I yeah. guess it depends on what you're riding because it may be a slug. Yeah, well, it's just, um, yeah, you're basically separating the two, uh, making you know the, the two of you a little bit smaller, I guess, in a way. Um, and it really saves you. Um, I just know from you know thinking way back to when I first started off road riding, you know, I always sat and I remember how beat up I would feel and uh, uh, also uh, how you know for a lot of beginners when you sit you tend to use your feet um, as your paddles to, 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 to save yourself sometimes and, and uh, sometimes on a big bike that can be a little difficult and sometimes dangerous but it's amazing when you're up on the bike uh, everything just works uh, you're comfortable uh, so it's, it keeps you uh, in check and, and feeling better throughout the day and then uh, really lets that suspension work and it really bounces you around too, doesn't it? Like you're saying, you're, you're taking a beating. So quite often you'll see somebody who sits on their bike, they'll, they'll be going up a hill or something, they hit a bump, and they're literally throwing up off the bike, and that's when they lose it. Yep, and then sometimes that transmits to bad throttle control. <laughs> and as they're hanging on and, and doing different things, and yeah, you, can, you, you see it happen a lot. So aside from the off-road training and the weekend rides, what other sort of things are you doing? Um big thing we do is our, our, our hill climb series is, is huge and it's something that no one else ever does um, and that's um, probably the you know one of the more popular things we do also besides the schools and stuff what exactly is, is involved in the hill climb our hill climbs are, are, are different than what most people think of as a motorcycle hill climb in the US max BMW we, we do uh, time trial hill climbs up paved mountain roads and Actually, they're, they're all in Vermont. Uh, uh, it's us and Pikes Peak are the only uh, events like it in the United States. And what we do is we um, 
these are sanctioned events that we uh, work with uh, automobile sports car clubs and ourselves. Um, they close off uh, roads that are anywhere from two to four miles long, anywhere from you know uh, forty to sixty turns, and uh, it's a start finish line, and, the, and whoever goes up the fastest wins, and it's one vehicle at a time, and uh, that's become really really popular at our stores. Really? Wow. That's no. That's not at all what I pictured with hill climbs. I thought you were talking about dirt when you said hill climbs. So, what kind of bikes are coming out to this? Um, well, everything. Uh, there's some different rules with the different clubs that we partner with. Um, when it's an exclusive Max BMW hill climb, uh, you can bring anything you want, including sidecar, uh, vintage, uh, any type of sport bike, uh, any engines acceptable. I do partner with some of the, there's not that many hills that allow us to do this, so some of our events are piggyback with automobile sports car clubs, and uh, they have some restrictions where we uh, focus on air-cooled vehicles um, and certain engine displacement and uh, a style of bike looking for more of a, a motard uh, upright bike or a classic vintage uh, road racer. Um, but they're, uh, they're a lot of fun. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, we race at Okemo Mountain in Vermont, Burke Mountain, and Scutney Mountain. And what kind of bikes are winning? Um, the fastest bikes are always a BMW. <laughs> um, <laughs> usually a BMW. Um, you're you're the, biased. The, yeah, I'm biased. But the, the bikes that work well, uh, very well is uh, uh, the BMW HP2 uh, Megamoto. Uh, R12Ss work very well at that. Uh, the BMW XR works very well. And just so I'm not showing my bias, uh, you know, some of the uh, 900cc uh, uh, KTM's and uh, uh, even some of the uh, smaller displacement KTM's, the Motard bikes work very well too. And uh, some Triumphs do do pretty good also. I haven't had too many Ducatis compete. Um, the ones that have, they have, uh, they've also done well. But usually, because of um, it's because I'm putting on the event, the uh, the event's a little bit heavy um, in the BMW department. So, yeah, you got to expect that. But what about yeah. electric bikes? Do you let electric bikes compete? I haven't had the request, but if uh, if we did, absolutely. Well, Max, it's been great talking to you. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to call, and and uh, I always enjoy listening to your your show, and enjoy having customers come and hang out with us. And, and Jim, you keep me awake on my late nights driving home from some of the stores from far away because I just, when I I just line up on my phone and blast through my your podcast and drive through the night. So, <laughs> I've been speaking with Max Stratton from his home in Connecticut. I recently got some photographs from Graham Field of his new box set. And I'll tell you, you've never seen anything look so realistic in your life. Now, if you don't know what Graham's box set is, here it is. And you may want to look at this too also for Christmas because Christmas is coming up and, and it's gift giving time, of course. And I'm, I know I've been throwing this out here here and then for here and there for ideas for Christmas. But this is a good one. And this is an original. How often do you find an original idea, really? So here it is. Graham has his three books out. Um, he's got In Search of Greener Grass, Eureka, and Different Natures, which we just had on here, uh, Graham on here a while ago talking about. He's packaged them all up. He's got a box that he puts them in, and they come with stickers and a bunch of other things in the box. But the box itself, that's that's the real thing. It is designed to look just like a pannier. And I just got these photographs from Graham of it. 
it actually looks almost 3D. When you look at it, it looks like you can you can grab a hold of the the oil container that's mounted on the side of it and take it right off. It literally looks like a aluminum pannier that's been around the world. It's got stickers on it. It's got all kinds of stuff on it. It is the coolest looking thing ever. So I think if you want to get something really different, I mean, something that you know you're going to stick under the tree and nobody else is going to do the same thing, this, this has to be it. Um, I spoke with Graham. I know you still have time to, to order it before Christmas. I guess it depends on where you're ordering from for shipping. But you can drop by his website, gramfield.co.uk, and you can see the photographs of it. And, of course, he's got other things on there like T-shirts and things like that you can order as well. But it's really neat because you're getting his three books, which are three great books. Uh, you know, everybody seems to go on and on about them, not just me. Um, but you're getting this pannier box, which... I think it's really cool because how often do you get something and get excited about the box that it's wrapped in? I mean, this is like, this could be compared to maybe an Apple product. You know, you buy it and you think the box is so cool, or it used to be anyway. It used to be this amazing box. Well, well this is what this is like, only it's it's even better than that because it's not just a, a dull white box that's really packaged well. This is a really cool pannier. It's the type of thing that you're going to take the books out. You're going to read the books, but you're going to want this box sitting around uh, as some sort of showpiece, I guess, on your maybe on your desk or, or, or at home. But anyway, I think it's really great. I can't wait to get mine. I'm very excited about it. So drop by his website, gramfield.co.uk, or of course you can drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com. And you'll notice on our website, um, we actually have a, a photograph uh, on the on the main page there. I think it's on the right-hand side. There's a, um, a picture of Graham's box set there, and you can click on it, and it'll take you to Graham's website as well so either way you do it but you better move fast because the end of the year is approaching quickly Well, I was talking earlier about passion and uh, and uh, being associated with people and companies that are passionate well Aerostitch is one of those companies that's passionate and you can tell as soon as you go to their website because you see this Ride More Guarantee, and uh, it's where you can buy any one of their R3 Roadcrafter riding suits. And what they're saying is if you're not riding more after 30 days of owning it, then you can return it, no questions asked. I mean, that's got to tell you something right off the bat. First of all, they're very dedicated to riders, um, and they're willing to stand behind their product. They're saying, hey, it's not even going to... I think this is what really gets me about this with, with Aerostitch, is that they're not saying you're going to love the fabric you're going to love the way you look. They're talking about getting you out there riding more. Okay, so that says they're passionate about riding itself. They're not worried about having fancy logos and things on it and trying to make you look good and look flashy when you walk in and out. It does look good and it does look flashy, but that's not what they're focusing on. What they're saying is it's going to get you out riding more. If a company's focusing on that first, well, that tells you something about their bottom line motivation for it. And, and I find that impressive because I can see the passion in that. And you can still get, I mean, I guess you can always get the catalog for free. You can either order it uh, to be mailed to you or you can download it online. So it makes it very easy to get the catalog. Catalog is great because they've got all their products in there, all the Aerostitch products, what, the ones they make. And they've got a bunch of other riding products to go along with it that are made by other people. I love the printed catalog. It's great to get it. It's great to sit there and, and go through it bit by bit. Drop by their website, aerostitch.com. And now do me a favor. When you go to their website, make sure you go out of your way to let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Let them know that their message is getting out. It's getting to you, the rider. (laughs) 
It's a pretty common sight now when you're out riding your motorcycle. You pass somebody else, especially on a trailer or a dirt road or something, to see helmet cams mounted on their the top of their helmet, the size of their helmet. I'm, and we, we look sort of goofy, you have to admit. Everybody running around with all these cameras mounted on us. But it is neat to document your adventure, even if it's for your own use. Well, today we're going to speak with somebody who's going to give you an excuse to take those bits of film that you have from all those different places you've been to and put them together into a nine-minute chunk that may make you, well, I don't know about famous, but maybe somewhat famous. If you think about people like Alex Chacon, Alex uh, went off on a trip and he was filming himself throughout that trip and he turned it into this amazing video that circulated the internet and turned into, well, millions and millions of views and really changed Alex's life because Alex now makes his living off of making bits of video using his camera, his helmet cams or all the different cameras that he has and he does stuff with uh, aerial photography now, all types of things. You may not want to become a professional filmmaker, and that's fine, but it is great to have an excuse to sit down and push yourself to edit those chunks of endless, boring film, really, into something that someone can sit through for nine minutes. So stick around, and you might have your excuse not only to make a film, but also to ride to a location that you're going to absolutely love. The Mad Dog Cafe in Dead Man's Flats. From the Mad Dog Cafe in Dead Man's Flats, Alberta, no, I'm not making this up, Neville Stowe with the nine-minute Moto Film Festival. I'm speaking with an ex-dog sled guide here, and you're probably wondering why we would have a dog sled guide on Adventure Rider Radio, but I think it's really going to fit here. It's Neville Stowe. Neville, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Hi, Jim. Uh, it's, it's great to be here. It really is. So you're nestled in the snow in Canmore right now, enjoying that beautiful winter weather. We are. I, I'm actually not really a snow guy. Um, I had to adapt. And, and as you can tell by the accent, I'm not really, I'm not really cut out for skiing <laughs> or anything to do with sliding around. My childhood was spent very much with friction. So um, I, uh, I, I, I had to adapt and... Uh, Yes, part of my um, my past in Canada was helping a friend out dog sledding. I know you from, from motorcycles, and I think a lot of people do. So tell us about this dog sled thing. Well, I, I used to sort of do a, a, a bit of instruction back in the UK. Not dog sledding, but it was to do with uh, climbing and mountaineering and every, everything to do with, uh, with uh, uh, being out in the mountains, basically. And it sort of transposed over to a friend of mine, uh, Russell, from, um, he's originally from Manchester. Um, but he owns a wonderful company over here uh, called Mad Dogs and Englishmen, and, um, which is so apt, really, when you think about it. And uh, he's always employed guides. And, and, and I, was, I was one small chapter in his very large book, um, I was there for uh, on and off for about five years, um, helping out with various seasons dog sledding. This wasn't full time. This was always just as a part time thing. But I enjoy it. I enjoy being out there with the huskies. I enjoy the lifestyle. Russell holds the um, he, he, or rather he used to hold the uh, contract for uh, the British Army. So we would take army uh, guys out there for about five days at a time, basically, and uh, live out in anywhere between minus 20 to minus 40 degrees. And this was in Canada or this was in the UK? This was in Canada. This was uh, this was up in Kananaskis country in, in, in uh, just outside of Canmore, and uh, we would have a blast. We've made some very good friends over the years. That explains a lot, actually. That's why you ended up in, in Canmore. I mean, guiding and outdoor stuff, that's Canmore, isn't it? 
It is. I mean, Canmore is home to so many biathlon. Well, the the, the, the biathlon team and the cross country team in Canada uh, that, that uh, represent Canada in the Olympics. They're they're based here in Canmore, so it is. Well, for want of a better word, is it the Vale of Colorado Vale version of of Canada? I, I'm not sure. What about motorcycling? Give us an idea of, I mean, I know you've traveled a lot, you've ridden a lot, you've been riding your whole life. Give us an idea of the sort of things you've been into. Um, well, for me, motorcycling has, has, has been my way of life ever since I was a kid. And when I say kid, I mean, I was, I was small, I was tiny. My father, my grandfather, my cousins, everybody, uh, except my younger brother, actually, <laughs> um, we all got into motorcycles at an early age. Uh, we were all bitten by the bug. Um, it was always encouraged uh, in our family. Uh, my mum didn't, obviously, she was being protective, you know, because Mr. motorcycles are dangerous uh, if they're used in the wrong way. And uh, so she was very protective like that. But I I grew up yeah, in the UK um, riding bikes. I have some very staunch friends in Devon who I deeply, deeply love. Um, we all grew up, we have some wild stories to tell about the, the early days. But really, from my point of view, um, motorcycling and uh, I was always into hiking and backpacking as well. So combine those two and all of a sudden you have uh, someone who puts their world on their back or on the back of a bike and they disappear. Um, that's kind of what I got into in the early days. So in 1984, I... Uh, I bought a one-way ticket to Boston. Um, I got fed up with my job. I don't think I hadn't been working there very long, and I saved up some money and I bought a one-way ticket to Boston. And uh, I, I stuck my thumb out. I hitchhiked, which was the cheapest form of travelling. And um, I was gone for uh, about a year hitchhiking, and then I got fed up with it. And I bought a motorcycle in California. I went back to being on a motorcycle, which is what I totally enjoy um, because I, I can now go somewhere that I needed to go to uh, rather than being dropped off where somebody else wanted to actually drop me off. And um, so that was a 1976 Goldwing and dear Lord, I wish I had that motorcycle today. And then I, I threw, threw my backpack on the, on, on the back of the bike and I just, uh, I went off and explored again uh, around the States and uh, Northern Mexico and, you know, those areas. So it was, um, it was interesting. The motorcycle was, it depleted my funds a little bit faster than if I was hitchhiking uh, because you have to have maintenance, you have to put gasoline in the thing. Um, but on the same note, it was, uh, it, was, it was wonderful to be back on a bike again. It really was. And back in 1976, that, that's a Goldwing without fairings. That was the original. Uh, this one had like a five-figure frame number. I mean, it'd be worth a fortune today. Oh, this wow. was. Yeah, this was a. Uh, this was. Um, uh, I sold it to a, a friend of mine, Leo Michon, in California. I, I, I'd love to track that bike down again. It's probably scrapped by now, but that bike was. It took me everywhere. Um, it was a fantastic, fantastic uh, um, uh, cart horse. Would that be the right word? It, it would. It, it was a donkey. It would carry anything that I asked of it. It was just able to cat carry gear. Um, back in those days. Purpose-built luggage, the stuff that we now know today, we see all these uh, aluminium panniers. They were around, but they weren't really, uh, they weren't, they were expensive, um, and they were quite rough. So we had some panniers. I, I just bought an old set of O'Neill bags. They were just sport bags that you would take to the gym, and I hung them over the back of the bike, and I threw my gear in the back, and I left some gear in my backpack, and I strapped it across the uh, the, the, uh, the the back of the bike, 
and uh, and, and, and and off I went. And within the first two hundred miles, I think I got my first puncture. So <laughs> I was fixing that. You've done some long distance tripping since then. I have done some long distance trips since then. Two thousand and thirteen was the, uh, the the big one for me. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to ride a motorcycle around the world. And um, I originally teamed up with my older brother. Now, this is a whole different story, by the way, So, um, which I'm writing about. Um, but we kind of fell out originally, part way into, into the planning of this trip, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. But... Uh, on the same note, I, I carried on and actually teamed up with a friend called Ulf, uh, Ulf Müller, from uh, Zurich in Switzerland. He's actually German, and bless him. Congratulations on your marriage, by the way, Ulf. So uh, we, we, we rode. We rode around the world. Um, I flew my bike from Calgary to England, rode across the southern part of England until uh, I got to Land's End, um, which is where I really wanted to stand and wave at Newfoundland. Uh, of course, my friend Tiffany Coates lives in that, that part of the world, so um, it was important to go visit her, and we had a good night chatting, and she bought me my first margarita uh, of the trip, which was <laughs> the second part of the mission, by the way. And uh, and then I turned around 180 degrees and I started riding, and it took me through 19 different countries. I rode, rode right across Russia, uh, Kazakhstan and, uh, and and down to uh, eventually down to Vladivostok and caught the ferry. We eventually got to South Korea, rode across South Korea, and uh, and shipped the bikes to Vancouver. Ulf and I had to part company there because I was actually uh, I had to come home because the guy that was looking after my job for me whilst I was gone, Mike, he uh, he was diagnosed with throat cancer, and I had to, I had to come home for that. Um, I had to take over my job again because he, need, he needed treatment. And uh, so I spent about six weeks working at my job. And then uh, eventually eventually, the, my company let me go again and I could ride across Canada. I got to Newfoundland where I bumped into some very good friends who were out there anyway, which was uh, Brian Clark and Michelle Lanfair, which I believe you've just had on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, so she was still, she was just out of crutches. That is quite a journey, and I'm sure very, very simplified in that. But what I'm interested in, Neville, is the Nine Minute Moto Film Festival. Yes, this is this is a passion. Um, the only way I can describe it is how and, and whoever's listening out there is you. You got a buddy, and he said, "I had a great ride on Saturday or Sunday or whatever day of the week it was. Uh, I had a great ride." Um, do you want to come over to my house and see some helmet cam footage? By the way, I call them helmet cam footage or adventure cam footage because we don't have any sponsors yet that step forward to say, hey, we are whoever, we make helmet cams, um, we'd like to be a part of this. So if, you, if you're listening and you want to be a part of this, then I would love to attract you as a sponsor. So, um, But yeah, helmet cam footage or adventure cam footage, um, somebody may have shot 30 minutes uh, of nothing but the road coming towards you. Now, uh, you're trying to, you're sitting there, you're trying to be diplomatic, and it's like, wow, you know, I just saw a cow. Um, wow, was that a rut? Um, and 
and, and I was also just as guilty as everybody else. I've got hours and hours of this footage. And the, the way this came about was because of my round-the-world trip that I did on my uh, my DR650 called Twiggy, was um, I accumulated all this, this footage uh, on, on my helmet cam, and, and, and I, I was reviewing it all. I thought, I'll, I'll make a half-hour movie or something out of it. I'm, I'm going to learn an editing program, and I'm going to make myself a, a movie, and I want people to see what I did. Hooray! Um, a lot of it was very boring. It was just road coming towards you, and I needed to learn an editing program. And that's when I thought, well, that's actually... This is me. I was that boring guy. I would say, oh, yeah, come around to my house and take a look at this. So... Um, we laid the glove down. We said, basically, I'm going to invite a bunch of friends out to uh, uh, to, to Canmore area, which is um, um, the uh, actually to tell you the truth is Russell's Cafe, the Mad Dog Cafe in Dead Man's Flats. How cool does that sound? I, I tell you that that is you know absolutely perfect. If you're going to do a film festival, you've got to pick a venue like that. It's like you made it up. No, and it's a, it's a real place, and Russell and Dawn run it, and Russell, he is a curry chef like you wouldn't believe. So, uh, yeah, the guy from Manchester, he knows his business, his heart is easy, part Burmese, knows his business there. So, uh, And I said, well, why not just have good food and invite a bunch of friends out, and I'm going to throw the glove down to them. I'm going to say, learn an edi- editing program, uh, learn... Uh, Learn how to put movies together. Even I, uh, I, it's not. I, I put this glove, they, they laid the glove down, but I'm, I'm a fine one to talk because I'm still learning, and I will be for the rest of my life. I don't understand this stuff. So we, we just said we want, we want to get away from just the road coming towards you, and um, so people, people actually uh, went out of their way to buy computer programs. Uh, one couple. Um, they they just finished a tuk tuk rally across Canada uh, across uh, uh, India, and they'd been home for four days. They worked day and night to to actually edit a program about this tuk tuk rally, and it was just gorgeous. I cannot believe the piece of work they came up with. They they sweated blood over this thing, and uh, I had to congratulate them afterwards. And that's when uh, me and Michelle, my, my wife, we decided that we should actually structure this so that we actually have like a first, second, and third place winners, maybe. You came up with this idea. You've got a venue. You're going to do it uh, at the cafe in, in Dead Man's Flats. I guess you, you put it out there on the internet, and all your buddies get together. And I understand it was sort of a, an informal thing. That was the way it was described to, to me at first, anyway, as an informal thing that you, you sort of got together and did. And, and you've already had your second one, haven't you? You just did one in... Uh, I just missed it, as a matter of fact. When we were going through Canmore, I was sort of thinking if we were in time, we might be able to arrive for this film fest. Um, but uh, I think we just missed it. But so that was your second. It, it was our second, and now normally we would we, we want to we want to run it once a year in in, in the Bow Valley here. Um, we uh, it, it will always be the the main event will always be at the end of May. Um, but we also have some very dear friends out there, um, and I'd like to I like to tax them a bit more. And I, I know that, I know they're going to hate me for this. I, I want to tax them a bit more, and I and they're from the Calgary to Banff corridor, if you like. So I threw an impromptu, just for fun, event uh, a few weeks ago, and again it blew my socks off. We had some incredible, incredible people showing up, uh, and they were they, they were showing uh, pieces of work that um, I aspire to. I would really love to see, see 
I, I'm jealous, actually. I'm very jealous. I, I want to be able to produce stuff like that, but, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Anyone can enter this, this nine-minute film festival. Anyone can enter this. The, the whole idea, uh, Jim, is it's a moto film fest. Now, most of our friends are um, what we would term today as adventure riders. Uh, so they're travelers. But this, this is only because those friends, we've got to know them through this whole um, travel community. And, uh, you know, and God bless them. We, I mean, we're at Horizons Unlimited every year. And, and, and Grant and Susan have got something wonderful going there. But but it's a moto film fest. So the idea is it's all things motorcycle. So I don't care if you're restoring a 1963 BSA or whether you're a, a, um, a, 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 a motocross rider or if you do hare and, hare and hound scrambles or hare scrambles or, or, or whether you're... Um, uh, wh- whether you're out on a Ducati 916 or an 883 Sportster and you've got footage and you can if you're able to edit it into something that will that is nine minutes or under uh, and it looks impressive then please come and join us because it's all about motorcycling it's not just about travel um, it's it's about you and what you do because every motorcycle is, a, is an adventure as far as I'm concerned every one of them so for first and second and third prize, you're giving out um, cash, hundreds of thousands, millions. <laughs> that would be great. I would love some of the large. I would love some of the large uh, manufacturers of helmet cams and uh, or adventure cams to come on board. I, uh, Jim, if you if you if you won first prize, I would love to say, Jim, you have won the latest and greatest helmet cam. Uh, fantastic. Here it is, you know. Well done, buddy. Here's a small trophy, and uh, we love you. We love your, your piece of footage that you, you brought in. It was voted in by. Um, we, we do have a little. We, we've established a panel of judges. Actually, we're going into 2016 with a small panel of judges, and they're going to judge your work. Um, so it, it'll. It, it's also going to be judged by your peers. So you know, it's it's going. It's going to be a, a two-part process. But I would love to be able to say, yeah, you, you've just won this latest helmet cam or whatever. Please take this away and enjoy and come back next year with some footage. Yeah, I want to know about how it works. So in other words, when people show up, what exactly is going on? What's the event like itself? But first, I have to ask you, why nine minutes? Uh, that's a standing joke in my family. Um, so originally, Russell and I were talking about... Uh, in Canmore, we had a, uh, we used to have a, a seven-minute film festival. It used to be held in one of the pubs here in town, and it was great. It was a, it was it was all about um, it was all about adventure footage and you know, from climbers, hikers, skiers, mountain bikers. That sadly uh, went the way of the dodo. Um, nine minutes, as far as we're concerned, is my attention span in the cinema. My daughter. Um, She's always saying, Dad, whenever we get you in the cinema, you're asleep within 10 minutes. <laughs> so um, we established that nine minutes was probably my attention span. So right now um, we decided nine minutes and uh, based upon the fact that I'm going to fall asleep after that. <laughs> well, I love it. And it also saves you from one of those films that you might have to endure for, for a longer period of time. Now, hopefully those aren't showing up at your film festival. But it's interesting that when you said about that footage, that, that helmet cam footage that was just endless roads, I was thinking, I have a lot of that too, but I, I really enjoy watching it. It's just that no one else does. 
Exactly, because it, the, your footage is, is special to you and you, you, you only. Uh, somebody else can watch it. I've got this wonderful footage of, of traveling through Kazakhstan, for example, or, or through, through Siberia. Um, but it's only special to me um, because Siberia actually looks like northern British Columbia. So it, it, it's, it's, it really is how you interpret it. So what I want you to do is consider putting music to it, editing various clips. I want people to um, maybe do a voiceover. Uh, I want people to learn fade in, fade out. We can start basic or there are some fantastic um, companies out there or rather some individuals out, out there that will, that will produce uh, professional footage as well. By the way, we do have two categories. There will, for 2016, we will have a professional category and an amateur category. Hmm, that's good because yeah, you don't want to compete against somebody who does this for a living who is very advanced at it. So the event itself, how does it go? Do people just show up with their videos? Uh, are they sent in in advance? And then uh, there must be a showing at it, at the event itself. Tell us how that works. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty small for 2015. We um, we gathered at the Mad Dog Cafe. I still love that name. And uh, what I would do is allow people to actually. Uh, um, book their evening meals and uh, we'd sit there and talk and eventually I'm, I'm basically using a fork against a wine glass and I'm um, calling people to order you know and, and then um, people are submitting their their movies on a, on a on a thumb drive and I'm sticking it into my uh, laptop and, and, and we're running it um, for 2016 it is going to be quite a bit different um, we have two good friends, Issa and Nita Brabish. They spent a couple of years riding around the world on their on their BMWs, and uh, they've returned to Calgary for a, for a while. They are very good with design. In fact, they just designed our uh, motorcycle stickers, and uh, we have nine-minute motorcycle stickers we can hand out. And uh, they are going to be building the nine-minute moto film festival website. So right now we just have a holding page, but what's going to happen here in the new year is we will have a situation where it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you will be able to upload your video for judging because there's only so many videos we can, we, we can show, nine minute videos we can show in a weekend. And um, we'll judge them, uh, our little panel of judges. It's, uh, again, it's a group of uh, uh, travelers, basically, who will, be, um, uh, who will be judging this. And they'll basically be... Uh, Looking at all different categories. Bearing in mind, none of us are professional photographers. None of us are pre professional videographers. So when it comes to technical stuff, we don't know what we're talking about. We just know. We, 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 we just know. All we want to do is, is, is get this off the ground. We want people to actually submit their work. And we want to say, what a great idea. What a fantastic idea. Uh, and what a great job in, in, in editing. So we, we'll judge. Um, now, if we get enough entries, it may be everybody's entry gets shown. We're not sure. Um, but if we have too many entries, then we'll have to single it down. And then we hope to show the selected entries for everybody. Uh, it'll be over a two-day period and uh, with dinner every evening because, honestly, guys, you, you, the Mad Dog Cafe, you, 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 the curry is unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. <laughs> so they do have a food, food as well, but I would strongly suggest if you love curry, you've got to go there. Then what we'll do is we'll, we hope to hold a first, second, and third prize in both amateur and professional category. And um, one, of the, one of the guys that 
really was an inspiration for the professional category was Daniel Rince, who won Best Travel Movie at the New York Film Festival this year uh, for his movie uh, Somewhere Else Tomorrow. Um, he stayed with us for a few days, him and Joey, Josephine. Um, they're beautiful people, and the detail this guy goes into actually rubbed off on me, only a little bit, though. And uh, so um, I really hope that this guy will hear this and I, I need him to know that he was instrumental or his philosophies in videography were instrumental in me set, kicking this thing off that's really neat and of course we had daniel on the show as well and uh, that's uh, fantastic that his film has done so well what about some tips for those would-be filmmakers my, my advice to those guys is uh is, is really Consider the footage that you're taking. Uh, take a whole bunch of different angles. Take footage of you talking to somebody, um, and, and, and basically, uh, basically think about how you could put it all together at the end of the day. Because um, your grandchildren are going to want to know what you do one day. That's a very good point. And you mentioned angles, and I was going to say that earlier, that angles are everything. And then that's the problem with our footage with, that, that's on our head. Quite often we're using, I think almost always, people are using cameras that have a very wide angle of view. It tends to flatten out landscapes. It makes your hills look like they're, you know, they're just straightaways, and, and it can tend to be very boring. Whereas if you pick up a bunch of different angles, mount your camera in different places, you can end up with a lot nicer footage of the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's been an education for me, and I'm and I'm still, I'm still learning every day. Uh, I look, I review some of my footage, and I'm like, wow, okay, I need to actually sharpen sharpen my uh, my skills, like you wouldn't believe. But uh, I'm, I regard myself as very much the novice. Um, but there are people out there that think that way, and I would I love I want to just tap into your creativity. Please come and show us what you can do. Well, it, it sounds like an incredible event, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. The date for it next year is what? Uh, the date next year is the last weekend in May, and I, I think it's May 28th. I can't remember. So last weekend in May, and, and it should be nice weather then. You're talking motorcycle weather. Oh, yeah. For Canada, we're motorcycling. It's warm. We, we're just coming up on our longest evening. We're only three weeks away from our longest longest day. Um I will be getting, um, hopefully, getting uh, motel and hotel rates knocked down for uh, people who want to enter. You will be able to enter online. Um, it's not ready yet, but we will we will uh, give you that package. Um, there's also camping at the Three Sisters Campground, which is, again, wonderful, wonderful little place. And it's only a stone's throw from the uh, cafe. And uh, hopefully, I would like to see a lot of people there because um, I, th I'm I think I'm going to have to charge an entrance fee next year we're still working on that we're not quite sure exactly how uh, it's just that it was brought to my attention that we do need to could be concerned about liability insurance mm. yes that's always something that pops up but this is really neat because here it is last weekend in may mad dog cafe dead man's flats in Canmore, Alberta, or in the Canmore, Alberta area. Now, the really neat thing about this is, is you can make an excuse to go to this, to see these nine-minute films, and you are in some of the most spectacular riding country around. And you were mentioning some things about this when we were talking about it before, Neville. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it's like to ride in the area. Oh, boy. Um, there are some fans. You're, you're, you're in the heart of the Rocky Mountains, um, and... Uh, 
we are surrounded on the three sides by by national parks and provincial parks, but there are also umpteen uh, dirt roads in the area where I've actually I actually have um, a, a few friends now who have volunteered. They they actually run they actually run uh, off road uh, tour companies uh, around the world. By the way, we're not talking about just local. They 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 run off road tour companies around the world. Um, these guys are willing to take you out for the afternoon, say on Saturday or morning, Saturday morning, before then you come back and then you eat something and then you'll be able to go into the evening watching some nine-minute movies. But uh, we're talking about, you know, trails that you you can be lost on for, you can get get lost on these things for a week at a time if you don't have a guide. So it's just incredible. It's, it's, it's a great thing to go to. It's a good excuse to get out and ride somewhere. And then, like I say, you're, you're in the heart of just some fantastic riding right from there, right on through to the coast. There's just so much to see and explore. And I'm sure anybody who comes to it is going to be back in the area again. It'll certainly draw them back. Thanks, Neville. Cheers, mate. I've been speaking with Neville Stowe from his home in Canmore, Alberta, Canada. And you can find out more about this nine-minute moto film festival by searching on Facebook. He's got a page on there, or you can search for Neville Stowe himself. Eventually, of course, he'll have a website up that will allow you to submit your entries. But it's a great way to get to an amazing place to ride, a great excuse to get out there. So you might want to check it out next year. Drop by our show notes to find the details about it or search for them on Facebook. I've got J.J. Lewis from the Good Adventure Company on the phone here. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing great. The, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was how is the Copper Canyon trip shaping up? Well, things are really shaping up for our uh, Copper Canyon trip in February. So we're, as, as people who have been listening have heard us uh, talk about it, um, it's going to be February 13 through 20. Uh, it's shaping up really, really well. Um, I've been in contact uh, with the folks in, in Mexico that are helping us plan the trip. Um, we've got stuff coordinated for uh, the school in Batopilas, what we're doing. Um, we've also got some Mexican adventure riders that are going to be joining us um, in Creo and helping us uh, navigate some places down in the Copper Canyon. Uh, so that is that was a, a really big blessing because we always are concerned about uh, security and, and those kinds of things when you're in the backcountry in that part of Mexico. Um, we've got some really experienced guys uh, that are going to be joining us in Creo and taking us down there. Um, we've been, uh, been, uh, been down there before, but it's really nice to have some locals really kind of show us around some of the great places um, that we've, we've never explored. So we're excited about that. Um, it's a great group, bunch of riders that are joining the group uh, thus far. Uh, we have room for uh, you know, probably five or six more riders, and uh, we are getting interest all the time. And uh, if, if somebody's interested... We're uh, offering an incentive, so if they sign up before the end of uh, December, it, it'll be $1,500 versus $1,700. If you even price that around, you look at uh, the other companies that are uh, that take trips in the canyon, um, and we're half as half as expensive as they are, and I think we're about four times as adventurous as they are in terms of looking at their route. Uh, we're going to take you into the heart of the canyon and the back the back country, so um, we're really excited about that that part. Wow, it sounds great, and it sounds like it's going to fill up really quick. Again, what was the dates? February 13 through 20. February 13 to 20, so people want to move on that quick. So you've got about, uh, I guess, three weeks um, to get the discount still and and manage to get in there and grab a spot, and there's not that many spots left on it. Right, right, but uh, it's it's one of those trips that, you know, you got to take your adventure to the next level, 
And uh, this definitely it stretches us. Every time we go there, we're challenged um, just with the culture and just kind of the, things are different than the in the U.S. and Canada um, when you go down there. Um, it's just a different sort of feeling and vibe, and um, it's adventurous all the way around. So um, if people are interested, they can go to that uh, good hyphen ADV and go to our, our trip page, our guided trip page, and then uh, fill out the link at the bottom, and uh, we can answer any questions they might have. And JJ, I, I couldn't help but notice you've got a brand new arrival to the family. Tell us about that. Well, we are interested in doing uh, bike rentals. So if folks want to explore um, the best of Southwest Colorado, some of the best riding in the world, um, they can fly into Durango. We'll pick you up. Uh, we've got a, a, a 1200 uh, GS um, adventure, a uh, water cooled, and we also have an 800 GS adventure. And uh, the 800 is, is brand spanking new. We're outfitting that as we speak with Black Dog Cycle Works, skid plate, and luggage. So all the bikes, you know, the, the 1200 and the 800 are completely outfitted, uh, ready to go. So, uh, you know, potentially, if somebody wanted to fly in, we'll pick you up at the airport. We'll get you, uh, you know, set up with the routes that you want to take. And uh, we, can, we can guide you or you, we can let you on your own uh, to go explore. Are those two bikes available for the Copper Canyon trip as well? Um, the 800 would be available for the Copper Canyon trip. I'm going to be taking the, the 1200 down there, most likely. So, JJ, you've got other things happening, too. Um, tell us about the guest house. Well, if somebody wants to come in and they want to rent a bike uh, from us uh, at the Good ADV Base Camp, we have uh, a guest house. So we have guest accommodations, and uh, those, that, those accommodations often include um, breakfast. Uh, my wife um, is a uh, executive chef, and uh, so uh, she will design a, a great breakfast for folks. So it is truly a bed and breakfast. Um, and uh, so we have those accommodations on site. So if somebody wanted to fly in and rent a bike um, and explore Southwest Colorado and have the base camp, we've got accommodations. Um, and also, uh, we do have a really nice uh, Dodge Sprinter RV that can really kind of get into places that other RVs can't. So ideally, if somebody wanted to have the ultimate adventure and, and have some sort of luxury, if you will, um, relatively speaking, in the backcountry, you know, you could stay at our base camp, stay in our, stay in our, uh, our guest house and ride around for a couple of days. And then we could park the RV way up in the Colorado backcountry. Uh, and so when you're done after a day of riding, ride up there, put the stand down, open up the RV. You've got um, dinner that's ready for you to cook. You've got shower. You've got, you've got chairs. You've got an awning. You've got a fire pit. Um, what better way to explore Colorado and experience it than something like that? So if people are interested in, in designing their own sort of adventure, uh, please get in touch with us, and we will help. Uh, design a trip of a lifetime. I cannot believe how much you're putting together, JJ. I, I don't know where you find your time. I've only got 24 hours in my day. I don't know where you're getting yours. But <laughs> the Copper Canyon trip, you've got it. bike rentals, you've got the guest house now. I mean, you you got to be really hopping. I have never been so busy. I think. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm really passionate about this. And I, I think, you know, the model that we have, um, people are going to buy the gear anyway, Jim. And why not buy it from us? Because we're going to use our profits responsibly, uh, and we're going to use it to help, you know, those less fortunate um, and those organizations that need funding. Um, and uh, so I really want to encourage folks, if they believe in what we're doing, you know, you're going to buy the gear anyway, come buy it from us. You get the 10% uh, discount if you use Adventure Rider Radio, ARR, at the checkout under the coupon section. Um, there's also a 10% dividend. dividend. Um, so if you buy gear, you get 10% back to use uh, towards purchase of new gear. 
and um, order in the next uh, week or so, and you will have the gear that you order uh, definitely by Christmas time. JJ, that dividend, how does that work? Is that that's something that you log on into your account and then it gets built up on your account and then you use it down the road? Yeah, you say so you log in, you create an account, um, and when you purchase something, it, it goes on it goes on, on the books. And uh, when folks want to use that, they just get in touch with us and uh, we let them know what the dividend is and then we take that uh, dividend off the purchase price of a new item. It's good-adv.com, so you definitely want to drop by there. Christmas is coming. You may as well save some money at it. And like JJ said, if you enter the ARR code, and that way they know it came from Adventure Rider Radio, you put it right in there um, at the checkout and get your 10% off right off the bat. And you figure for the next week and a half, they're, they're going to probably get it in time for Christmas then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll do our best. When in doubt, let me know, and uh, I can expedite JJ, thanks for taking the call. I know you're on the road, and of course you can hear that by your sound quality right now on uh, on your cell phone, but I appreciate you taking the time. Jim, it's always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me on. That was JJ Lewis from the Good Adventure Company, and that's good-adv.com, donating their profits to sustainable charities. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter too at maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system, and it can inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and get this, it has a lifetime warranty, which is brand new. Best Rest also makes tire changing and tire repair kits that are small enough to fit in your saddlebag, and the crew at Best Rest are adventure riders themselves. They know what you need when you're exploring the world visit them at cyclepump.com that's cyclepump.com well right now as we record this i'm in our portable studio i am looking out the window at a lake and the waves are rolling in. I mean, some big waves, and the rain is pouring down. That means winter is here on Vancouver Island, as it is in, I guess, most of North America. We're all suffering from it. But still, if you can do it, it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. Hey, wait, before you go, remember what I said at the start about the T-shirts? All we need is those 50 T-shirts. Pop on over to our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and grab some T-shirts, grab some stickers, and help support your Adventure Rider Radio. We really appreciate it. It's coming that time of year. Christmas is approaching, the holidays are approaching, and we're about to switch over to something brand new. We have got some great episodes lined up for you, so make sure you're tuning in in the weeks to come leading up to the year end because we've got some surprises for you. I like surprises. Love it. Special thanks to our advertisers, Max BMW, Best Rest Products, Aerostitch, and Graham Field. That's a big part of what keeps this show on the road. As well, special thanks to our co-producer, Elizabeth Martin. Don't forget to drop by our website, send us your show comments and suggestions. Drop by iTunes, give us a rating at iTunes. And of course, we're on social media, so connect with us through Facebook. We love that, although I think we're kind of a little slow at that, but still, it's fun. I'm Jim Martin. See you next week.
Hi, this is Walter Kolbach, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs> 